Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Hello and welcome back to Successful Minds. I'm your host, Patty Baranowski-Schneider. Today I'm joined by Lashasta Bell, a certified sleep coach and licensed professional counselor and supervisor. So welcome, Lashasta. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so as you stated, I am a certified sleep coach and a licensed mental health professional. I'm also an international speaker and I take my time and energy and love and passion and bring it to the world in a, and in regards of how we secure our peace, rest, and sleep. And when we don't, the implications and the impact thereof. I'm also a wife, a mom, a sister, on and on and on, a, a serial entrepreneur at this point. <laughs> However, I, at the end of the day, when all of those roles are off, I'm a woman just on this journey of consistently trying to sleep well rest well, and have a great peace of mind. Nice. Jack of all trades. And with all of that under your belt, I can imagine how uh, trying to get some sleep is <laughs> important. <laughs> so it can, definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> so now can you share with us a story behind your initiative, I Choose Me, and what inspired you to start it? So I Choose Me is my group counseling practice that serves uh, throughout the state of Texas. It started well before I was even licensed as a clinician. I was a school counselor and I was responsible for, uh, in Texas, we have Red Ribbon Week, which is a, a week of things, an initiative to keep kids away from drugs. And we had, I had the responsibility of deciding what they're going to do each day. Crazy socks, crazy hair. And I came up with dressing your favorite hobby as one of those days and instantly I paused and a lump started to kind of form in my throat because I couldn't remember the last time I did what I would say my favorite hobby was. And at that time, it was like reading, rollerblading, but that self-talk where you learn and you have that narrative for yourself. I asked myself, when was the last time you did what you say you enjoy as a hobby? And from there, I started to be more intentional about choosing me first because what I realized I had not done that, but I had done so many other things for so many people. Right. And so starting this journey, then eventually I, you know, I, I finished my licensure or I was licensed at that time. So I started my practice in, in 2012, but it was self-named. And when I transformed to a group practice, I sat with what do I want clients to understand about us before they even enter the doors? Yeah. And that the central focus of our therapeutic approach is helping them to choose themselves first so that they can heal for themselves and then live for themselves. And everyone else in their life gets the added bonus of them being healed and living for themselves. Right. You know, it's true. Um, everybody, I'm another culprit of it, always doing for everybody else before myself. But somebody posted something the other day that I actually liked it. It had a coffee cup. It said, you can't pour from an empty cup to so take care of yourself first. And I'm like, you know, that actually makes sense. You know, I mean, we 
you always have that. I want, I, you know, you feel that need to help everybody else, but you're exhausted at the end of the day when you think about it. It's like, what did I do for myself? You know, and and yeah. it's it's people forget you're number one. You know, I mean, you have to look out for yourself. So that's awesome that you actually raise that awareness. And you should. And I, I've seen that that meme and stuff and things before. But I tell people we can pour from an empty cup. We pour air, and it gives somebody dis-ease. It, it literally, because how many of us have been empty, below empty, and we're still doing, but we're irritated, we're frustrated, our patience is limited. So we we're still pouring, but it creates you know tension in relationships. It breaks relationships. It breaks us eventually because we become someone that we are organically or not because we keep pouring and we're giving too many yeses away right. and not enough no's away. Yeah, that's a hard word to uh, come by. No, <laughs> I always say it's a hard word. It's not in my vocabulary, but it is something that's important. Yeah. So now tell us, with over 15 years in the counseling field, have you, have you seen the understanding and approach to mental health evolve over time? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I mean, when I first started, I was concerned about being able to serve the population that were may have had heavier issues and entered the field. And it was like, oh, well, people come in and it's mostly time is not big and heavy for a clinician. And since then, just seeing people willing to come in and do the work before things are on fire, that has increased tremendously. And of course, during the pandemic, myself and colleagues, I have friends who are in the same field and owning practices. We saw a huge boom because every and all distraction was taken away. Some people will say their coping skill was taken away, but essentially your coping skills should be housed internally yeah. and not externally. So we did see a, a huge increase. However, the plus size is, side is since then, it's not tapered off tremendously, which means people are seeing the value. And I think the more that social media talks about it in a positive way, a, a way more celebrities have come out to share that they are seeking mental health uh, support, that they are seeing therapists, so it's becoming more normalized instead of a taboo. Right. I think that's awesome. And I love the fact that celebrities, like I think it was um, even way back when, you know, I remember back in the day when I was a teenager, you had this, if you weren't this um, Victoria's Secret size and shape, you were just a garbage and blah, blah, blah. And then um, I think it was, I forget her name, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, I think it was. She actually did a photo shoot. And, you know, you see her on film, you think she was just this, and she had herself in just like a bathing suit bikini. And she just stretch marks, flab, and she was just like, this is who I am. Like, don't let that. And I'm like, people, you know, condemned her. But I was like, wow, I salute you, man, because you, and even that new song, I Know Victoria's Secret, you know, and I'm like, it does make people realize that this whole fictitious life that people think we should have. And when people are now talking about it, that's like mm-hmm. huge. I mean, and I, I, I'm glad that people are starting to do that now because you hold it in and you know, now realizing that it's normal to get help and we can't always do it on our own. And that's not a bad thing, you know? Absolutely. It's a good thing because we are not designed to go at this life alone. Research says that 
two nervous systems is smaller than one because of the integration that takes place so very tightly. So absolutely, we should be getting help and wear that as a badge of honor instead of wearing team me, team grind, team hustle. Like, no, I, I tell someone, someone's like, oh, you're so strong. I'm like, you can have that word back. <laughs> I, prefer, I prefer not to be because it comes with such negative connotations at this point in life that I don't want to be described as strong. I want to be described as resourceful because I'm willing to use my resources around me so that my cup does not become empty. Right. Nice. Very nice. So I guess tell us, being a certified sleep science coach, can you talk about the connection between sleep and mental health? And what are some common misconceptions people have about the relationship? Oh my goodness. How much time do we have? Because <laughs> I, the way that I even entered the sleep science world is prior to that, I was an anxiety, well, I am an anxiety treatment professional. So um, about 90% of my clients that I would work with had some form of anxiety, whether it was a disorder or just a presenting symptom. And as I worked with them, I realized that once I was able to help them stabilize their sleep, their symptoms decreased tremendously. Sometimes the symptoms even diminished. And so I was like, I'm a, I'm a nerd. I tell people I'm a cute, <laughs> stylish, but nerd nonetheless. When you take all this <laughs> off, let's talk about the brain and I'm excited. Um, and so I, I had a, a talk show for a season and I interviewed someone that was a certified sleep science coach. And once we were off air, I said, can you tell me more? And within a couple of weeks, I was signing up to become a certified sleep science coach and realized once again, the things that I had discovered in the chair was very science-based. One of the main things is understanding when we sleep, our bodies, our brain, they it's working. Our brain continues to work. And it's mm -hmm. the work that it does is valuable to our mental health, which our mental health is anything, any thought, behavior that contributes like positively to our life, the way we act, the way we behave, or it can contribute negatively because it's about how we act and behave and what we say out our mouths. So when you think about that as your basis to your mental health and your brain is working at night when you're sleeping to process the memories of the day, to process the learning of the day, if that is cut short, then when you are awake, you're going to experience a multitude of symptoms that a lot of times we will blame it on something else and we will not go back to sleep where we rightly should be. I tell people, you know, you want to say, oh, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. No, you woke up with the emotional hangover because you did not give your brain enough time to process the emotions of the day. You wake up with part some of that emotion from the day before mm -hmm. and then you carry it throughout the day. Every decision you make is from the lens of that sleep deprivation. Very interesting. And I know like with me, I'm not the greatest sleeper, so I'll take stuff to sleep, but you're not in that actual sleep cycle. So it's the same. I wake up exhausted. I, I might get six hours sleep, but it's not that REM sleep and the whole cycle and you're, you know, so lots of stuff goes on and you are hundred percent right. Just because you're not thinking about it normally, doesn't mean your subconscious isn't thinking about it too. There's a lot of stuff going on in there. Right. And when you're sleeping, you need Research says we need seven to nine hours as adults, somewhere in there. And you find your sweet spot. When you choose to do less than seven, you're choosing to increase your mortality rate. 
And that's a whole other story for another day. <laughs> However, when we are choosing to, to go to sleep, we give our brain that time. And that's why I teach people there's a difference between sleep and rest. Sleep can be a form of rest, but rest is about recovery. Rest is about renewing your strength. Sleep is about activity, processing. It's work, basically. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's a difference. So That's why it's like, okay, I have to back it up if I'm going to talk about sleep. I have to talk about rest. Before I can talk about rest, we have to talk about peace. <laughs> so it's like those three words, they, they go together. Because if you don't learn how to control the thoughts that go on and repeat of the day and the shoulda, woulda, couldas, then you can't rest successfully nor sleep successfully. And that's why people say, I can't turn my brain off. It's like, well, it's not about turning it off. It's about turning it to a different channel, right? Yeah, and I guess people need to know how to do that because it's not something your doctors don't tell you. This first thing they're doing is prescribing you medicine, but it's not the answer. So you help them uncover the all of that, right? I absolutely do. I absolutely do. The ideal is, is not to become dependent on anything to do the thing that you're naturally designed to do. Right. No, that's awesome. Now tell us, you have a vast array of certifications in the mental health field. So how do they intertwine and how do you utilize them to offer a holistic approach to mental health? So, okay, so being a licensed mental health professional comes with, you know, a set of requirements and renewal of hours every couple of years. The additional certifications I, re I obtain being a certified uh, mindfully informed professional, certified anxiety treatment professional, and then a certified sleep coach. And soon to come a certified corporate wellness coach. <laughs> the, the way they work together is like I just shared. You have your peace, you have your rest, you have your sleep. Understanding mindfulness and practicing it and being certified to teach it helps individuals to understand ways to secure their peace. Because we have this whole, let me protect my peace. Well, you can't protect what's not secure first. <laughs> like literally, like... Can you? So then we do that with the mindfully informed clinician. Then the certified anxiety treatment professional is that just that. I'm able to identify the anxieties, the worries, the stressors, and help create coping skills and a plan to, to support them. I actually develop a course called Work in the Worry, where there's steps that I've researched that I've put into place for years with clients to help the worry to work for us. Because we are designed to work. Worry. The problem becomes when worry. We worry to the point of stress. We worry to the point of not eating, not sleeping. But a little bit of worry is good for the brain. That's how we have some of the best answers to some of our biggest problems, right? And so then the certified sleep science coach component for me was the piece that wrapped it all up and wrapped it together. Because once I do the other two steps, naturally the next thing is let's go to sleep. Let's let's get rested. Let's go to sleep. And these are the ways to do it. I focus more on the internal ways. Why some coaches will fit uh, focus more on external, like your pillow and your mattress and and the, the sheets and the temperature of the room. And I'll hit on that a little bit. But mine is here. Mine is the mental piece. Yeah, I, I went through this years ago, and it's so true because. You know, I remember in school, they told me your mind is like a file cabinet, like things that you've seen, learned, whatever, a magazine, whatever, it gets put inside in a file cabinet that it might be in there that you just don't think about. And I remember one time I, got, I went through hypnotist and 
I, cause I was struggling sleeping years ago and they found that whatever the issues I had was this guilt when well, my kids were babies, this guilt that I had with mm. um, issues with, you know, whatever relationship issues and all that. But that was keeping me up. And meanwhile, I was like, I'm, I normally wouldn't even think about that stuff, but it's in your head and it's true. So our sickness, so much stuff is just comes out of here. It, it does. And it comes from, from our sleep. You know, uh, seven of the 15 chronic diseases are connected to sleep deprivation. Literally sleep deprivation was declared um, a health problem by the CDC before there was a COVID before we wow. even knew about COVID and <laughs> it exists. It was declared. However, like you said, the answer becomes pharmaceutical. Yeah. So there's not a lot of discussion and conversation in and around it because we may realize that pharmaceutical isn't the only answer or the best answer. So my goal is to tell the world as many times as I can, as many times over, because a lot of us, if we just choose to go to sleep yeah. and focus on our sleep, a lot of the other mental health problems, a lot of the stressors, a lot of the worries will decrease. And you mentioned guilt. We focus on that when I'm working with clients because guilt is a learned behavior and it's learned from our unconscious and our conscious biases through history, through culture, through climate, through social media. We learn guilt. That's not an emotion that is innate to us as humans. Right. Oh, good job. <laughs> tell us what challenges have you faced in your journey as a mental health advocate personally and how did you overcome them? Oh my goodness. Um, which ones I have it? Like where would, where shall we start? Um, I myself have had bouts of depression. I am diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and ADHD combined type. Those were lifelong. Now, when did I get an understanding of them and get them diagnosed in adulthood? So I, like many other people, journey through life with a set of circumstances that were undisclosed. It didn't have a name, but it had a big presence in my life. So I can remember as early as like eight years old, visiting my dad and watching his girlfriend fall asleep. It's literally like she fell asleep midair. And I was just so in awe of this. Now, let me back up. My Part of my ADHD, it, it impacts my personal narrative. So a lot of my own personal memories are hard to retrieve unless they're tied to emotion because okay. then there's a heavy emotional response. So for me to be able to re remember this lets me know, and I remember struggling to fall asleep at night. At eight years old, mm -hmm. I'm up, upwards of an hour and a half, looking at the ceiling, played with what I now know as anxiety, replaying the day. What did I say? What should I have said? I could have did this differently, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So becoming a mental health advocate was only the next best thing. Although I thought I fought God on it a little bit. I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. This is not for me. I'm tired of talking for everybody. But literally it's like when you learn that you were able to cope, endure, and even thrive under not the ideal circumstances. How dare I not share that? How dare I not help others do the same? Right. So between that and then I, I'm in a blended family. So I have bonus daughters and I have two sons. I have a one-year-old and an 18-year-old. Um, and my, my <laughs> husband and I just 
we made the decision we were not done parenting <laughs> and we and we love it. So everyday stressors happen. Managing those death happens, understanding and making it make sense. At 15, I lost my youngest brother and that was hard. And every year it I experience it differently. And so I give myself space. I give myself grace and give myself permission to experience it differently. Before I had sons, I experienced it one way. When I had a son that was the age that my little brother died, oh my gosh. I, I'm like, I'm in the bed for a couple of days. Leave me alone. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine the pain of a mother going through that. So my journey in of itself has strengthened my advocacy muscle. I came into the world as an advocate. I mean, people laugh when I say that, but I'm like, literally at two years old, I was advocating for myself to no longer be called the nickname of bird, but to be called by my actual name. And by eight years old, I was on Channel 2 um, in, in Houston advocating for being drug free. So even before I probably could spell the word advocate, I'm sure mm-hmm. I was. And I've just embraced it more and more on my journey and live as transparent as I can without infringing on my family members, you know, privacy so that others can understand it's okay. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to want to be okay. And it's also okay to thrive, even if everyone around you doesn't choose to, to heal and thrive too. Right. No, that's awesome. And, you know, it makes a big difference for someone who just read something in a book and they're going to preach what they read in the book, but someone who's been there, you know, experienced it and can, like you say, like the one uh, channel that I do is called Been There, Done That. I gain nothing from it, but I've been there, done that, I've done it all, and I could just share my experience with you. And if it helps one person, that's great. And, you know, you sharing from experience as opposed to something you read in a textbook makes a big difference because you can understand what somebody's feeling where a book maybe don't, you know, so that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And that's what I say. I I use my experience and my expertise. Right. So the life that I've been afforded to live, Mm-hmm. has allowed my expertise to go even further because I can back it up. Like mm-hmm. I was on a call yesterday and someone was like, well, are you going to have another baby? Because she's, we had a baby around the same time and now she's mm-hmm. pregnant again. And I'm like, no, ma'am, my pregnancy was amazing and it was great. But the three or four days from labor to afterwards were very traumatizing for me. Mm-hmm. And I, and I told her, I said, mentally, I don't think I could go through that again, even with all the resources I had and my husband and my mom and being a mental health clinician, being all of the things. There comes a point where you have to know where your line of enough is. And like I tell people, my line of enough is here because I never want anyone else or anything to drown me. So when it's when I feel it in my throat, it's time to take them out. I'm like, I may have other kids. They just won't. I won't give birth to them. You have grandkids. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I may throw a daughter in the mix, you know, do some adoption or something like right. that. And I already, look, and I already have grandkids. Oh, <laughs> my bonus daughters, my bonus <laughs> daughters have have sons too. So we're limited on girl power. Um, mm-hmm. So I may have to be intentional about selecting a daughter. But yes, and you know, it's it's a. Uh, been there, done that, and still there sometimes. Right. But that's awesome that you know your limits because so many people give in to what this one says or peer pressure, what what's the norm and blah, blah, blah. And you have to know your own limits. You know, what works for you might not work for everybody else and that's fine, you know, but you know your limits, which is awesome. And you want to give yourself 100% to what's in front of you, you know, not, you know, 50% here, 50% there because you have too much going on, you know. 
That's cool. Absolutely. And that's what people say, oh, you're starting over? I said, I like to consider it continuing because when I created my first company, when I decided to create my second, no one said I was starting over because they knew whatever I did in the first company, I was going to duplicate that experience. So same thing with child raising. Well, everybody has their own opinions and their own two cents. You do you. (laughs) That's absolutely 110% because I choose me first. Yeah, good. Yeah. No. So let's talk about shecations. How did this concept come about? What do you think? Why do you, um, I guess, why do you think it's essential for individuals, especially women, to take time off for themselves? Oh, my goodness. So if we go back to that story of my being at the school and, and Red Ribbon Week, the shecation was birthed out of that space. I could not completely at the time understand enough to verbalize to my family exactly what it is that I needed. I just knew that I needed it. And the the beauty of having what I like to call a security team is that they love you enough that even if they don't understand, they can support you. Right. Every woman, every man, definitely women though, need a shecation or a hecation, especially when we choose to take on all these various roles and responsibilities. Whenever I decided to travel by myself, which is what a shecation is, I only had me to be responsible for. I had only had me to answer for. It did not take 30 minutes to decide where we're going to have dinner. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, we did not have to divide and conquer. If I wanted to lay on the beach all day, I could lay on the beach all day without anyone saying, mama, mommy, love, Lashasta. No one called my name because no one knew my name. Right. That's awesome. (laughs) And it has tremendous value. So after I did it the first year, when the next year, by the next year, I was able to better verbalize exactly what it did for me and what I needed from it. And by the next year, (laughs) before the next year could come, my husband and son would be like, um, when you taking your little vacation thing, you know, when you go by yourself, that's that's the security team ushering me out. Right. Because when I came home, they realized that I came home renewed because I was able to go off and rest. And this was before I became a sleep science coach and understood how to rest within my everyday environment. Right. So that was part of it, too. I was able to go and take rest and make sure that my sleep was prioritized. Now, today... That's part of my everyday living. It was a couple years ago. My husband was trying to plan a guy's trip and the guys fell through and he was like, man, I really want to go. I'm like, go by yourself. Go take you a hecation. I'm telling you, you will thank me for it later. By the second day, he was like, oh, my goodness, this is I have not ever experienced. And now he plans to annually go and take a, a hecation, which actually he just did another one. Um, he went on a golf trip. It was started out being a guy's trip, but then <laughs> the guys fell through. And so he had another hecation and he absolutely enjoys it fully and thoroughly. So yes, every woman especially needs to take that time. And maybe you can't go for several days, but I'm going to tell you my first time I called him, <clears throat> excuse me, a classmate that was a travel agent. I think I have $500. I want a three-day, two-night. 
and the hotel and accommodation and the flight needs to be in this five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So the first thing he pulls up is Mexico. I'm like, wait, wait, wait! I'm not ready to go out of the country by myself. <laughs> uh, not for not for the first time. Now, eventually, I did go international with one. Mm-hmm. I said locally, and it, it it worked, especially if you have the flexibility of going during the the week. So it does not take an incredible amount of money, mm-hmm. or you can literally go to the next town over and get a hotel and order a room service right. and do it on a $200 budget. But I, I imagine that most of us who are working, working right. hard, we can find a way to give ourselves $500. Right. Yeah, everybody comes up with excuses. And it, it is true about um, taking time for yourself because not didn't do a shikation, but years ago I went through this whole depression thing. And I think it was because I was always pulled in every which direction, but I never spent time on me. And one of the things the therapist said is you have to, you have to love yourself. I had to take myself to dinner, take myself by myself, go to a movie, um, you know, just simple things like that. And it was kind of weird, like, but I got to tell you, I was like, you know, it did feel mm-hmm. good. And it's, you know, you just make yourself number one. And I, you know, you're making me tempted to do what she can. <laughs> I think that's awesome. You, look, <laughs> you, you absolutely should. And if you want any suggestions, feel free to email me after this. Because I think every woman should. And some will say, well, I'm afraid to travel by myself. But you're single and you live by yourself in the United States? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and and when I framed that, I was, because I was actually talking to someone. And when I framed it that way, she was like, well, I guess you're right. I said, because don't you go in and out your house at nighttime? And like, what's the difference beyond just feeling the fear of doing it alone? But you're, you're right. I date myself frequently. I've been married for 21 years, but I'll take myself to lunch. I'll I'll take myself to a movie. I'll go to festivals. I date my husband also, don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's value, important value that we miss in our lives with spending time with ourselves, especially those of us who marry young. Because like I said, I was married. I've been married for 21 years. So that means I got married about five, right? Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, and so those of us who marry young, definitely there's more value than you can ever know to spend that time by yourself, whether it's two hours or two days or somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Good job. (laughs) Now, you often speak about the importance of cultivating your sleep from the moment we wake up. So can you elaborate on what that means and how individuals can practice this in their daily lives? That means for me. Every decision I make throughout the day is contributing to a good night's sleep. I'm going to say what I need to say in that moment so that I don't have any thoughts later. Should I say this? Should I say that? You know, I'm going to make time for myself throughout the day, sit in silence at different moments, maybe do some meditation, mindfully eat. There, literally every decision we make is either contributing to a good night's rest or it's not. And when you prioritize your sleep, it starts the moment you wake up. It's maybe start with affirmations. It starts with gratitude. That's what it means, that you cultivate your sleep from the moment you reframe your experience. All of these things is, is things that I, I'm, I'm writing a book that I speak about in my, in my book simply because you cannot wait to 30 minutes before bedtime to start. Who does that? I, I mean, does an athlete wait 30 minutes before they have to perform to start? Does, no one waits 30 minutes before 
when it's the main thing, when it's a priority, when it's the thing that's most important to them, they don't wait to to cultivate it. They start the moment they wake up. That's very true, though. So you recently shared what you've been up to since giving birth last year. So can we talk about the blind spot strategic planning sleepover? So love it. Absolutely, (laughs) we can talk about it. It started a few years, but years and years ago, I would um, meet with a a friend who's also in HR, has a consulting firm. A group of us would meet and we would plan out our quarters for business. And it would be like a half a day. Well, every time we did that, I would be on her phone calling, texting, can I book more time with you? Because I would leave overwhelmed. You want me to plan out all these quarters the whole year in three hours? I cannot do it. And so eventually, after a few years of doing that with her, she no longer offered that service. So the same group of friends and colleagues, I said, can we do a sleepover? Like, let's do a sleepover. And I didn't call it a retreat or a conference intentionally. Because when you think about a sleepover, you go in with a different mindset. It kind of takes you back to childhood. Like one of my clients that did a sleepover, she said, we used to call it spending the night. You know, I'm, <laughs> yeah. going, to, yeah, I'm going to spend the night with my cousin <laughs> or with my friend. And it takes you back to this youthful, childlike energy where you're open, you're receptive. And I did this with my friends and cohort for almost two years before bringing it to the public. And literally what the Blind Spot Strategic Planning Sleepover is, is my supporting a group of high achievers, a leadership team, entrepreneurs, whatever framework they're under, and identifying their blind spots as it relates to their personal and professional productivity. Nice. And then strategizing. So I call it a strategic planning because we are about business and we are about our personal life and then it takes strategy because I believe life is a strategy. And if you have a plan, it increases your flexibility when it does, life doesn't go as planned. Right. But the sleepover part brings a youthfulness into it because we do have a little fun. We might do a game night or something the first night and then we jump in and I cultivate a, a customized sleepover based on the audience. So there's questionnaires and understanding and the details, I believe is in the details. I have an app called In the Details. Mm-hmm. I'll ask like your favorite songs that motivate you, your favorite songs that relax you, your favorite colors. And all of that is pulled into the experience. And that's what we do. And we have seen tremendous growth personally and professionally. Goals are maintained and achieved more quickly. Because after the sleepover, there's accountability. That's where my third company came in, Try Accountability, where we match. We're like the match.com of accountability partnerships, where we match you with two partners instead of one. So after the sleepover, then you roll into this other space of getting matched with accountability partners, maybe from the sleepover, maybe not from the sleepover, so that the goals that you set during the sleepover can be nurtured. You can be held accountable they can you can pivot when you need and have a gentle safe space to do so nice and i'm sure like as opposed to a meeting in a conference room where everybody's in a suit and you have it's more relaxed and people can just talk openly and you're amongst friends and uh, that's awesome and the accountability is good because every meeting everybody they take their notes they do their thing and then they leave and that gets stuck in a drawer and that's it so you know people not uh-huh. so many people are accountable so that's but having accountability in a safe space amongst friends i mean that's actually really really awesome <laughs> 
Thank you. It's it's been amazing for me. The last one I just did was like a month ago for my personal one. And we had so much fun and we got to see the growth. It's it's just amazing to know where you started. Because we meet every quarter. Now, bringing it to the public, some companies may choose to do it every quarter. Some school districts may choose to do it every quarter. And some may choose to do it annually. We do it every quarter. And we started with a one, one. And then we was like, no, one day's not enough. One overnight's not enough. And so now we'll do like a Friday to a Sunday or we can all... Um, plan ahead. We'll do it in the middle of the week, especially if we go international because the flights are cheaper. Everything right. is cheaper when you go during the week. Right. Wow. <laughs> Very fun. <laughs> now, so tell us, being a mother and a professional, how do you ensure a balance between work, advocacy, and family? And any tips for our listeners? So one, I think balance is a unicorn. Even what Lady Justice is in balance, isn't it kind of like something like this? Yeah. So there's no 50-50 in anything. So I, I believe that once we choose to vacate that mindset, then harmony is what enters. Because sometimes I need 80% of something and 20% of other things. And what the way that I achieve that is daily, I ask myself, what do I need more of? What do I need less of? What about yesterday worked for me? What about yesterday didn't work for me? And I adjust accordingly. Right. And everyone in the household and even outside the household understands that. That if you don't hear from me from a couple of days, a couple of days, it's because talking to you is not what I need in those days. Yeah. Nor is it what I want. So I'm very intentional about understanding me and then communicating that to the people around me that love me and want my want my best good. It's really one of their interests. It's not their main interest because their their best good should be their main interest, right? right. Um, and so that's that's what I do. I, I make sure to plan. So one weekend, my husband and his buddies may go out for dinner or happy hour, then me and my friends. And then during the week, I may take myself to lunch. And then the next weekend is a, a date night for my husband and I. Then the next weekend is a family night. So it's like everyone's getting their time. And that, once again, that's not every month because right. I travel for work. So in just for instance, in July, in this month, November, we're in November. Mm -hmm. I'll be, I've already traveled one time this month and next week I'm traveling again. So the weekends look different or the weekend activity becomes a weekday activity. Right. So that I don't start to feel boggled down. It work, 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 work. Right. Or when I work, I include fun. So Friday, I'm training all day, but Thursday is an open day. So I'm having lunch with a friend. I'm having dinner with a group of friends. Right. You know, I may go get a haircut. I may, you know, do a little retail shop therapy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing, y'all. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> so that's how I assure harmony. Right. It's really checking in with myself. And then being willing to communicate. So my son that's off at college, when I don't hear from him, his voice, because he'll text, I'm like, I miss my son and I need to hear his voice and see his face. Mm -hmm. I'm FaceTiming you now. <laughs> Answer, because you're not in class. I have your class schedule. Go <laughs> <laughs> run, but you can't hide. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. And most of the time, the people around you will oblige when they know that you're not being abusive. 
Yeah, I mean, it is true because I'm, you know, it's good that you kind of mix the happy and the, the business because you don't want it, even the fun stuff, if it's in a calendar, you don't want it to be like, oh, it's another obligation. You just keep it, you know, to keep your flow, which is awesome. And I'm glad because the people around you, like, I forget the term, those that mind, those that don't mind, I forget how it goes, something about those that mind the, don't matter. Don't matter. And those that matter don't mind. Right. Yeah. That it? <laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we're here. We're here. I get yeah. you. I, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, there's value in understanding yourself. And that's the biggest thing going back to I choose me. When you choose yourself, you choose to take time to understand, and then you can communicate to others what it is that that you need. Literally every trip that I've taken for business this year, which I think I may be like at 10, it had a fun component. Because people's like, oh, you're going to work in St. Lucia and Dominican Republic. I said, yes, it's still work. However, I choose like one day, one trip that Friday, I was on the beach all day long, relaxing before I spoke on Saturday. I assure that if I'm going to be traveling for work, and have I have a one year old, and he was eight months then, or how many ever months? Then I'm, I'm going to be away from home to create harmony where there's some fun into that work, so that when I'm back home, I'm hundred percent present with my family, and not wishing that I had time to have fun. Right. Yeah. Best of both worlds. Awesome. And you're there hundred percent for that because now you're, you know, you're kind of complete now. Yeah. Nice. Ab absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. So I guess lastly, for someone just beginning their mental wellness journey, what advice or insight would you offer to help them navigate the challenges and embrace the process? Ooh, go to therapy. And going to therapy, understand that it's your process and it's okay for you to vet your therapist. It's okay to ask questions, to get understanding. A lot of people enter the therapeutic process and they expect what they see on TV. And when it's not delivered, then they feel like therapy doesn't work, but it's their process. And, and it doesn't, you don't have to have an issue where you're on fire. If you live anywhere, there are stressors. There's external stressors, there are environmental stressors, there's internal stressors. That's enough to go to therapy, to have someone to talk to that's unbiased and that's there to support your mental health wellness. Therapy is not advice. So please, please, please don't go looking for advice. If you're looking for advice, maybe get a consultant or a coach, but not a therapist. And the things that you talk about in therapy, the coping skills that's provided, understand they're lifelong. Because some people will say, well, I can't use my insurance or my insurance doesn't cover it. It's an investment into you. So if I can go and need a $100 stake, surely I could go and spend 60 minutes and get information that will change the trajectory of my life for the same $100. Now, understand I love to eat. So a great steak might change the trajectory of the evening, <laughs> but, but not the night. Um, so I, that's what I, I would suggest. And then once they enter that space and start to heal, be okay with understanding that everyone that was in your life before you start your journey may not stay. And that that's okay. Because yeah. what I tell people, I'm not going to go sit next to someone that has the flu and expect not to get sick. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know some people like, you know, super negative people and it's contagious. I just 
not that I don't like you. I just don't want to be around you because I just want positivity. So it is true. If there's people that are toxic, it's going to trickle on to you. So sometimes maybe you need the therapy to help you see that, you know. And oh, once you see it, you can't unsee it. (laughs) (laughs) And the toxicity, it it goes to like 100. And I've heard so many people say like, oh, now just a little bit of them is overwhelming. I can't believe I used to stay on the phone for 30 minutes because after five, I'm ready to, you know, say somebody's at the door or my refrigerator's running. You You need help seeing it, yeah. (laughs) Yes, you know, so that's what I I would suggest. And for those who aren't ready for the therapeutic space or don't think that they're ready, they can start by journaling. They can start by being intentional with their breath. Our phones, let them be smart for you. If you have uh, watch devices, I know my Apple Watch will remind me to stop and take a few breaths or to practice mindfulness. Incorporate those things that are in your smart device into your day that helps to improve your mental health readiness, deep breaths, clean up your social media feeds. You know, those are things that you can do that does not cost anything. But like you said earlier, what we see, what we hear, it processes here in the file cabinet. Now, whether we know it's there or not, sometimes it's conscious, sometimes it's unconscious, but it's there. So if your news feed or social media feed has lots of things that are toxic, Clean it up because you're putting it in your file cabinet even when you don't realize you are. Right. All good advice. Well, thank you. Sure. Now, anything you want to add about what you're doing, what you're working on? or um, I think I think you covered it all. I mean, <laughs> there was great questions. I mean, I am, uh, well, I did mention writing a book, but the book is called True Boss. And True Boss is an acronym, but so is the coaching program. Um, that I do with individuals that are high achievers, quick 30 days in and out, the true boss. And that's understanding, managing your time, reframing your thoughts. I can't say it enough, understanding yourself and then evaluating and elevating your environment like you just spoke to. So that's a couple of the things that I'm slowly churning and, and, and working on. But the biggest part right now today is speaking and training on all things sleep, rest, and peace. I, I just got back from doing a, a training on unconscious biases. And people was like, well, how does that relate to sleep? Well, when you don't sleep, you can't think critically and problem solve. So your unconscious biases come out your mouth a whole lot faster. <laughs> <laughs> Things and, people don't think about. And oops, there goes the climate and the culture of the workplace. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so those are some of the things that I am uh, currently doing beyond being you know, a mom and a wife and showing up and trying to do a little traveling here and there that's not work related yeah because apparently you don't have you don't have uh nothing else going on you know you got all the time in the world right <laughs> i'm like i'm exhausted just listening to what you do <laughs> and, and and that's the, i literally tell someone the other day i say i cannot remember the last time that i felt physically exhausted to the point of like i just don't want to do anything but i have an amazing regiment of what i put in my body and what i put in my mind so while others feel overwhelmed by the things that I do, I, I absolutely enjoy those things nice. and the things that I don't, I delegate them. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it works for you. So that's that's good. And people need to realize that they can do that too. <laughs> absolutely. But you have to prioritize yourself. You have to prioritize your sleep. Because even in pregnancy and newborn world, I still average about eight hours of sleep a night. Wow. 
and I have receipts because I've been tracking my sleep for over five hours, five years. Because people be like, no, not with a newborn. You can't. I have receipts. Just email me and I'll send it to you. <laughs> That's awesome. So now tell people, how can they get a hold of you? They can always go to my website, LaShastaBell.com, uh, or IChooseMeCounseling.com if you're looking for counseling services in the state of Texas. I'm on social media outlets, Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, as I am L. Bell or at, uh, at IChooseMeCounseling. Okay. Now, you mentioned Texas. Now, you help people around the, around the world uh, remotely. Right. So you don't yes, only have to be in Texas. <laughs> so, so in Texas, for the counseling piece, because uh, my practice is only licensed in the uh, state of Texas. But for all things sleep, wellness, globally, um, I am available. Absolutely. Thank you for thank you for making sure that they understand. I yes. just told y'all I, I just told y'all I was in Saint Lucia and Dominican this year. <laughs> awesome. People pay attention. No, I know so many people who struggle with the sleep, so that's awesome because they don't realize the deep rooted issues. It's not you know not just because your room is cold or hot or any of that stuff. There's a lot more going on. Absolutely. Send them my way. I would love to help them in any way that I can, and I do offer. Free consultations, 15-minute consultations, and they absolutely will leave the consultation with a strategy and not a list of services for later because I don't believe in wasting my time. If I'm going to help you, I'm going to help you in 5, 10, or 15 minutes. Absolutely. Awesome. So thank you again for being on the show. Again, that was LaShasta Bell. So thank you for listening to Successful Minds with Patty B. Never miss an episode by subscribing. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Successful Minds with your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.